Good morning, Sonship, and welcome to Saturday Morning Practical Applications Call, where we gather to study and apply what we've learned through the week into our daily lives. Um, today's sort of a special edition. Um, we are going to do rules for decision by our beloved brother, Lee, who's quite an expert and a genius at helping us unravel and understanding it. Um, and also, in light of the events that happened um, in the last 24 hours, I thought we, we could use it as a beautiful way to really practice um, extending love. So I want to open with this prayer from David Alt. Morning and evening. Let us join together and pray with expectation for Paris, for Beirut, for the slums of the nations who are starved for love, for you and for I, who cannot seem to reconcile our differences long enough to recognize our oneness. Please pray together that all barriers to peace in my mind dissolve, all barriers to peace in my heart dissolve, all barriers to peace in my eyes dissolve, and all barriers to peace in my actions dissolve. Divine order is here. Peace is here, and only peace shall remain. As I personalize this prayer, I participate in the restoration of our world. Amen. Ashe. Blessed be. It is done. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. And so it is from this moment forward. Pray for peace. Act for peace. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Amen. Amen. All right, Lee. So um, here's a great opportunity to learn. I mean, I woke up last night and I just could not sleep thinking of, you know, the first thought was, I'm just so grateful this is an illusion. Um, because I would not want a world, I would not want God to think that, that anything like this could ever happen. And I know this happens enough times, but I know for some reason this just feels so much closer to home. My daughter was in Paris this time last year. I have a friend from college who lives there. Um, it, I don't know, I live in New York. It just feels like, you know, fear is just gripping our my world, and I want to choose another way to look at this. So I keep turning my mind over, like I don't want, I, I can look, perhaps I've chosen wrongly, I want to look at another way. So shut the TV off, get on the calls, and participate, and here we go. I'm complete. All addicts have to come to the point where they change their mind. The world is addicted to fear. It has to change its mind. We are the thought, among others, that this will change. And in that you can rest in peace. Perfect, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Do you want to say a little more, Chris, about what you had in mind in terms of opening the floor to 
how some of us are finding that we're applying these rules for decision in the face of a calamity such as this. Great. I think, uh, you know what, I think I'm just going to turn it over to you because I think I'm struggling with this and I don't know if, uh, yeah, why don't, are you comfortable with uh, taking the reins? Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, What Chris had told me I had come to her before most of you signed on was just the idea that this uh, time together could be spent um, not only as as an introductory kind of move into rules uh, for decision again this year, but um, most specifically how we apply it to a challenge on the order of, of this in Paris. And um, so I thought it was a good idea to open the floor for just uh, what people are working with and, and how they find they may be uh, using the course or rules for decision to help um, kind of make peace with, um, with, with this big challenge. So let me open it up. Can I give you some history to Paris to show you that this is not nearly as bad as it used to be? A famous Celt drew together all the bands that were everywhere across the face of France and Belgium, down into the Pyrenees of um, Spain, and decided he would, with the gathering, stop the Romans. A guy named Julius Caesar, and went in chains after thousands of men, women, and children were slaughtered in the battles. Thousands and thousands of people just learning how to raise their crops and have a good time. and All of that produced the city of light. And this is a... As as terrible as it seems, this is a very, very minor movement beyond what Gerson uh, Vetrick had to put up with as they took him in a cage to Rome. And all the hundreds of thousands were left behind with no connection. This is just a minor movement toward the fulfillment that is promised in God's correction with our what is the final judgment. I'm complete. Thanks for that perspective, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. This is Josie. I noticed, um, you know, I'm always asking, is, 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 am I getting the course? Like, is it working in me? Is, am I changing? And 
I noticed that when I first got that information, how my response was different. You know, normally I would be jumping right on it, criticizing and going through, but I noticed that I did do some of that, but also I noticed there was other things going on in my mind around, you know, all that we are learning. I have to go into the detail of it, but that it really wasn't, it didn't, it did not require a, a contribution that I would make in the past of being mad at everyone and being angry and all. The situation just, I didn't feel that I needed to do that. And I, so I'm just identifying there was a change in me and how. I reacted, and even when I was out to dinner with some people and they were going on about it, I also noticed how I was being different than I normally would in light of that type of situation, and um, that was meaningful to me, that I was changing on the inside and how I would react to those type of situations. So that was my uh, one of my experiences. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is it terrible? Is it terrible? On the line. Is it so, if everyone mind? make sure that they were on mute on their own devices, that will take care of the echo. Thanks. You know, this is Paula, and as Josie said, fortunately now. With my learning and my acceptance of the Course and who I am and what the world is about, my understanding and my... And I'm going to say this, when I first heard it, I didn't get glued to it, the drama. You know, it came across on the TV and I have to admit, what popped into my mind is almost that I wanted to laugh. And I said, the kids are playing in the sandbox again. And it like, I know it's a little levity, but it settled me in. It made me realize that it, it's, this is an illusion. This is a perception that God is there. Love is there. Seeing, I went through the whole seeing my brothers as they truly are and sending love, not condemnation, not judgment. And I, you know, I laughed at myself. How could you, you know, if you said that to somebody, like, oh, the boys are playing in the sandbox again, you know. I was saying, like, put away your toys. Just find the love. So, yeah. Everything I have learned, it has made me accept what is because there is a plan and I won't go with the drama. I'll side on the eyes, you know, the eyes of the Lord and see it what it's for. And as Rob said, it's a blip. It's a blip in our evolution in where we're going or what this world is about 
And I have to keep faith and hope and try to keep the peace because if I'm at peace, the world is at peace. I'm complete. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Paula. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I was on mute when I thanked you, but thank you, Josie. No, for no, we share. heard you. We heard you. Okay. Hey, it's Chris. Um, when I when I first found out, um, we were, I was with John, and we were in a grocery store, and he started talking about it, and I said. I, I was very defensive and I said, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want the TV on until we know, until we know what's going on. So you got that? Okay, good. Um, and then I immediately started praying, and I went to a space of there is no opposite of hate, only love com- comes from within, and I have to extend it. So I immediately extended it to whoever was responsible for this act. And I felt really peaceful. And I kept, through the whole evening, I kept saying, I will not lose my peace. I would just go into that space of choosing again, just choose again. And then I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't know. And then my ego was like all engaged. And then I got scared. I got on Facebook and that was when I saw that a friend that I had gone to college with was posting that her family was safe. And that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, this is way bigger than, than I thought it was. And that's when I, then I rolled into this space of, it's going to sound weird, almost like gratitude that this is not, that this is an illusion. And then I rolled back into feeling guilty because, well, that's kind of crazy. Like, what about the people whose families are affected? Like, everything outside of myself. So, Paula, I'm so grateful that it's so true that if my mind is at peace and I keep choosing again, there's another way to look at this, then I can extend the love that I want to um, and do it with you so that I have support. I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And we do it together. We all do it as one. We have to hold that peace in all our minds. And that's what will be felt. Thanks for that, Paula. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Thank you. So I want to bring up I want to bring up um, one element of, of using what we've learned in the course to work with uh, tragedy um, at a distance or, or close to us. And, um, and, and maybe it'd be helpful if some of us were willing to talk about any ambivalence we feel, even, even moving toward guilt, um, about getting some emotional distance from tragedy as though if I were really caring, I would be swept up in um, grief, shared grief, um, as though if I'm not identifying with the pain or the fright 
or the uh, grief of others, then I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a little less human. And so maybe the question is, how much do I think my humanity requires that I lose my peace in uh, sympathy or in, in, um, in support of others' loss of peace? And it, it just seems to be a real rich topic of discussion as we apply rules for decision in trying to come back to a center of peace in regard to situations um, where our inclination is to um, get swept up and where we feel a kind of belonging or a kind of joining in being swept up. I'll take a go at it because I uh, will be the first to mention, I don't know what anybody is talking about. Uh, I went to bed um, very early in the afternoon yesterday and uh, so, you know, I, uh, I am a bit detached from a lot of things, uh, both in, in the the job that I perform as a um, alone in a truck with no family and no uh, <laughs> no meaningful encounter uh, with others on a regular basis. Part of it is has been uh, a decision to retreat into what I felt was necessary for my own healing um, as though I personally uh, and you know and, and part of my own retraction from Facebook and from listening to any news um, has been to remove myself from things too great for me to understand or to be able to uh, react or respond in ways that I felt were uh, meaningful. And I'll just confess, I, I really have uh, a deep compassion for what I feel is uh, personal identification with suffering in my own life in the past and uh, a recognition of how past events can become very real and very uh, eclipsing from what I'm what I, what I would experience in in the way of peace in the here and now. Uh, in fact, prior to the call today, I was uh, studying Chapter 15, the Purpose of Time, uh, which really goes right to the heart of the Holy Spirit, which uh, really focuses in, uh, in the present as uh, the only thing that does really exist. And uh, this, is a, this is a challenge uh, for, for me, and I appreciate you bringing it up, Lee, because I'm... Uh, I do want to have a true sense of 
uh, compassion that is based in uh, what the Course would tell us is reality. And, uh, and yet, I, I personally find it difficult to dismiss suffering uh, with the consider- consideration that it's merely illusion as uh, a way to uh, step outside of, of being compassionate toward others who are experiencing uh, life in the world of effects as though those are, uh, that's where their meaning lies. And so this is an important topic. I'm, I'm really grateful that you bring it up, Lee, and I will be listening. Thank you. I'm complete. You bet. And uh, credit goes to Chris for uh, weaving uh, this um, this event and our responses to this event and for decision. Be perhaps a good time to let everyone that's on that hasn't been able to um, announce that they're with us to say hi or good morning this morning. Hi, Fran. I'm here. Hi, everybody. Hey, Fran. It's Wendy. I'm here too. Hi, Wendy. Hello. Anyone else want to announce? Good morning, this is Hannah. Good morning, Andy. Or Anna, sorry, Wendy, Fran. Hi, Anna. Good morning. Hey, everyone, it's Catherine. I um, I was on a run and I'm finished. Um, are we recording this morning? I'm curious. We are. Okay, great. Thank you. Just deciding how personal to make my share. Um, uh, I just I'll, I'll just um, weigh in there on my own reaction. This incident reminds me of 9/11, and. I guess I'd like to just be as honest and objective about my reaction to that and other big things like the Boston Marathon bombing and now in Paris. Um, I, when I first hear news like this, I, I, I feel a, a sadness, but still a detachment. Like I don't feel personally pulled in um, until I start hearing the stories uh, from the individuals. I feel like I, uh, it feels like I'm having a, quote, spiritual perspective on it, you know, like, okay, it's part of, part of a bigger picture, and it's a teeny piece of billions of lives. Um, I think that's just, like, my shock, like, when I'm numb, what I try to do to protect myself, um, and, of course, send prayers and love and light. But when, when I start understanding and hearing about the personal stories, then, I, then, it, then it dawns on my consciousness in a different way. And I almost feel um, embarrassed over my first impersonal reaction. So I, I'm trying not to judge myself on either reaction. I'm learning to observe my mind and how it works and to try and detach from the way my thoughts cross 
my emotions. I, you know, I am an eternal being. I'm a mind. I'm a child of God. My, my history, my personal emotional upbringing, that helped shape the way my mind works. And so I try not to condemn myself or anyone else for the way their mind works um, and just, just try to hold my peace as much as I can. And also in my particular case, there's a personal situation going on right smack in the middle of something where, I ha- where I'm choosing a different way than a group that I'm in. And it's not mean or anything, but they could take it as me uh, not going along. So I'm in a bigger situation where I might have a different way of thinking and a more personal one, and they're happening at the same time. So I'm so grateful we're all talking. I'm complete. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. <laughs> this is Paula. And, you know, it's so funny, not funny, the fact that Catherine brought up that in spite of what I'm perceiving as a major catastrophe that I'm trying not to, personally, I have a dilemma going on where I have to step back and do the course and try not to invoke my thoughts and this and that. And then I stepped back this morning and as we learned through the Course, there is no difference between, how, how do I phrase it, you know, whether it be something of a larger magnitude and something personal, it's all the same. So how I deal with perception of this situation and how I deal with a what I call a personal perception, they're both the same. There are no difficulties in miracles or problems. Am I saying, you know what I'm trying to say. It's all the same. So, I'm with you, Catherine. <laughs> I'm complete. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Paula. That's really important, Paula. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Paula. Thank you, Catherine. There's the element of the of the rules for decision that sets sets me on the course of making a determination to let Holy Spirit guide me out of dreams of fear and out of dreams of judgment. And just as you say, Paula, that process is the same, whether it's a personal uh, calamity, um, my personal grief, um, or whether a larger situation that I'm, uh, that I'm, tr- tr- I'm asking for guidance as to how to respond to. If I can remember that the dream of fear that he's trying to guide me out of is all about my response to a situation that it's that it's what I'm it's it's how I'm responding then I can remember that central to the rules for decision is that I'm asked not only to um, not make decision or judgment to myself not how to respond but I'm also told that the way to exit the dream of fear is to be ready to not judge the situations where I'll be called upon to make response. So 
anything that begins to disturb my peace is one of the missions where I'll be called upon to make response. Now, what is my response? Is it a peaceful response, or is it something I'm so familiar with in terms of what the ego wants to get in and work and make me um, and make me feel? And I can recognize when the ego is guiding me by my loss of peace. So the question becomes, how in the world can I find peace in a situation where there's so much trauma and I'm so drawn to sympathize or join with others in their grief or their trauma? If I'm willing to be guided out of the dream of fear, then I have to recognize there is a way for me to continue to join with others, thanks Bryce, in compassion. I can join with others from a tender place in my heart, but I can do so in a way that brings to bear what I've learned in the course about how tenderly we're all cared for at all times in all situations beyond appearances. I can be guided by Holy Spirit past the appearance of disaster and calamity to something that I've learned in terms of trust and ask Holy Spirit in those occasions to be guided back to what I've learned to trust. And if I don't have access to what I'm to trust, that's precisely what rules for decision. It guides me through the process of inviting. If I find that I have made a judgment, and that judgment has definitely led me out of my peace, this is precisely where I can begin to walk through these steps, acknowledge at least I can decide I don't like what I feel now, and, and move through the course of these steps so that I try to release my judgment of the situation where I'll be called upon to make response. The way I'm judging this situation leads me into terror and into, um, into um, uh, traumatized myself. And I ask that I be shown a different way to see the situation. These seven steps, I just want to run through them again, um, acknowledging seven steps and others may not be as familiar. I'll just remind one of what this, what this process is. One is today I will make no decision by myself. At the end of one, then I, I get a sense of my desire that I be led today to a peaceful day, that I have access through Holy Spirit to peace and happiness across this day, come what may. Then in two, if I make no decision by myself, this is the day that will be given me. That's come what may. If I find that I have judged the situation and I can't seem to get out of my judgment, then in three, I really try to release 
the entire way, that whole perspective toward that situation. That's the step that says, I have no question. I forgot what to decide. In four, I come to the place where I can say, at least I can decide I do not like what I see now. I think it's what I feel now. Five is, and so I hope I have been wrong. We come in six to a place where I can say, I want another way to look at this. And in seven, in all humility, I open as widely as I can to Holy Spirit's correction. Perhaps there is another way to look at this. What can I lose by asking? That I think for course students who have used the rules for decision to move through various degrees of uh, challenge and difficulty is the process that finally guides them away from the ego's perspective toward calamity and, 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 and difficulty and trauma, disaster, and back to a place where I realize the dream of fear is what Holy Spirit wants to correct, and he can only correct it in my mind. There is a way for me to respond tenderly and humanely, and yet outside that dream of fear. Um, Thanks, that's my perspective on the, uh, the rules as they apply to a challenge such as this. I'm complete. That was a beautiful introspection into both the situations, our learning and what happened. Very nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. Totally. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Um, I, uh, I'd like to just highlight one sentence at the beginning of paragraph 6 that says, this is your ma major problem now. You still make up your mind and then decide to ask what you should do. And this is, uh, uh, this is what I think uh, is particularly troubling about the situations that arise is my past experience uh, is what brings up these ideas in my mind on what is right or what is wrong, and especially in a situation where we might not have a clue how anyone, you know, or how something like this could happen, some event. Uh, some tragedy. It, it's like it. Uh, there's this huge temptation to look at any event and question the judgment of others. Question, uh, and this seems to be the natural ego mind, which is evaluative over why 
something would or would not happen. If I can let go of that, just let go of that, give that idea completely to God, that only God knows what's going on in someone's mind, uh, that in any situation where I am uh, perplexed, instead of trying to decide that that person or that situation is crazy or that the, the, all that my ego mind would offer me in terms of my own profound, you know, how that would be so, you know, outside of my experience, how I could never do that or how, you know, uh, given my set of experiences, that seems preposterous. If I just let go of all of that and recognize that I cannot know, I, I simply cannot know, then I let go of that suspicious energy of the ego entirely. And that's what I think this, uh, this paragraph is telling me. Um, it's, I, I'm seeing contradiction by the nature of the mindset of the ego, which is looking for it. And if I can choose to let go of all contradictions as something other than what ego is, it is a contradiction. Uh, if something appears to be contradictory, <laughs> in my experience, it only is uh, available to the ego to judge. And when I simply and clearly understand uh, that I simply cannot judge, now, there's plenty in the course that tells us, especially in the Manual for Teachers, uh, relinquishment of judgment uh, comes clearly into a mind that knows that you simply cannot know all of the situations that, uh, and all, all that's behind what's going on, then it's much easier to let, let it go. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. Yeah, return to the card. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right. This is Ida, and I want to say hi, and I'm grateful that I finally found the number <laughs> and got onto this call a few minutes ago, and I'm really glad we're talking about this because I tried to use it, like yesterday, last night, or something really, really close to that time, and uh, the only one I remembered was the one that said, and so I hope that I have been wrong, and I'm like, I said that to myself a few times, so I hope I've been wrong, and I don't know, it may not have helped as much as doing the whole series of questions or, or statements, but they helped me at least a little bit, so that's good. So, thank you. I passed. 
Perfect. You've got to number seven. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Ida. Can we hear perhaps a little more about um, what you may be going through in terms of um, that ambivalence that Chris and I have spoken of about, um, about feeling a little guilty for having less involvement or how we, how we get kind of yanked around about I really want to care, but there I am caring, and now I've completely lost my peace. And and um, what is that balance? I have one suggestion about that. If you don't want to withdraw from the situation because you're correcting your mind and therefore getting out of the situation and into your peace. Peace has nothing to do with this at all, so the Course is telling you to get out of your mind and get into the peace. And if you can apply that peace to all the parties, you know, what, what the terrorists were doing, they believed in what their background, their egoic background led them to this, now has them, regardless of how determined they are, into an actualization of fear. So you want to have compassion for the terrible fear they're in, and they are, and the terrible fear that they cause in the others. So you are not literally abandoning anyone. You are bringing your mind into peace through the seven steps, and then you're refocusing it on the situation and feeling sorry that they could not attain the peace in themselves that might have prevented or stopped the situation or never had it come up or corrected it completely afterwards. You can go through the seven steps or whatever steps you can get to and then reapply it to both parties because your peace envelops all of them and keeps you at peace. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, Rob, I love that. Thank you. That was great. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Rob. You're welcome. Thanks, Rob. I, I that was so great, Rob. I was just um, sitting here thinking, and uh, last night I had a bicker with my uh, brother-in-law, 
and we bickered so much we hardly noticed the parish burn. And I was thinking um, about uh, how do I get over this? And what you just said, thinking about the other party, made me realize that when you're the, when it's you and the other party, to think about the other party, the fear that they have or whatever is just so helpful. And I just feel like the um, anger that I had towards him is just gone now. I appreciate what you said. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Fran. So, just like, um, kind of like the, when I got into the freedom teachings in, back at the end of '09, it took me about a year to say, to get the idea that was right, but, but that doesn't mean that my previous religious thing was wrong, but it's like two different realities or something like that. So, so I, kind of left the freedom teachings and came back to this and I say kind of because they're saying all these things that could very well be true one example like that you know there's a special group of people who are headed by beings from other planets and stuff who don't want anything good for us and it's been going on a long time, and that's what the threat was in 212, and and that uh, they're behind all the really bad things that happen in this world. Okay. Any, what I realized as I was working through this over the last few months now, since I started with ACIM, is that all those things could be true. But nevertheless, they're true in the dream. It's still a dream. And the principles of ACIM that we were just discussing still applies. No matter who it is, no matter what those reasons were, no matter what we see in this illusion of egos, it's all the same. So it doesn't really matter, you know, like when I was a kid, who started it? No, she started it. No, she started it. You know, that whole kind of thing. That's all part of time, too. Another illusion. And so I'm saying this strongly because I need to hear it myself, I guess, strongly right now. But these principles of A Course in Miracles, to me, are the top. Not because they describe everything it happened in exact detail for thousands and thousands of years like the other one does, but that because they hold true no matter what the situation is that we find ourselves into anywhere in the universe. I believe not even just this planet. You know, it's still the same. No matter what other beings look like, what they sound like, what they're planning, what they're doing or not doing, you know, for how many years that's been, and, and, and all that stuff. So, <laughs> that's who I cast my vote with now, man, at least the rest of my life here on Earth. I'm going to be studying this, and I'm going to be teaching this, and that's 
what it's going to be. So thank you for hearing me, and I'm complete. Beautiful, practical outlook. So I enjoyed that, Ida. Thank you. Thanks, so. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Just to come back to that idea of the dream of fear and that I'm in the Course in Miracles, I'm offered a way to, to waken from the dream of fear or lay the dream of fear down. Um, if I try to remember, the dream of fear is not about the outward elements, but it's about what's going on inside me and whether I'm being directed to respond and how to interpret by the ego and its thought system or by this other thought system and all the gifts that it is bringing me to. Recognizing that I can always take solace with what I'm learning about reality and that the consequence is the dream of fear gets dispelled and that's my avenue to peace. That becomes so important to me because if I think Exiting the dream of fear means everything in the outer world is nice and cushioned, comfortable, and peaceful. And if I imagine that's what it is to emerge from the dream of fear, then every time something goes wrong outwardly, there I am again, right back where I began. And, um, and so there's a, there's a very significant shift that happens for me when I realize being let out of the dream of fear means in spite of what's happening, I know how to come back to peace by trusting back into what I've been shown of reality. I'm complete. Yeah, that's right. It's the inner view that is where your peace is. The inner view that um, ACIM brings you back to so that you are not trusting in the dream, this, this ego projection of all of us, you're trusting in God's movement of salvation that starts out with the peace in your mind. And that's where you go to, is you go get that first, and then you are part of the solution, just like Lee is saying. I'm complete. Nicely put, Rob. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Rob. How are you doing, Chris? I'm awesome, but Timmy's not. (laughs) You hear him? (laughs) 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 It's just a dream, Timmy. I keep telling you that. It's it's a fascinating to watch animals. Like I wonder if they're just picking up other people's energy because I don't hear anything. Or I know I know they hear differently than us. Here's what I do know. I know that that this is an inside job, and that there I keep saying this. There's no opposite of hate. Love needs to be extended, and I feel called to awaken and to be constantly reminded that I'm more than than what I think I am. Which is why you people showed up in my life. So I have shifted into a huge place of gratitude. And Ida, I share your, your, your commitment to continue to study and study and study till I get to a point where I don't have to think about it. It's just my beingness, right? That's the plan. I'm complete. 
Nice. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. This is Fran. I was just sitting here uh, thinking about this rules for decision and thinking about how grateful I am that I can ask for another way to look at it and I get an answer. And I was just sitting here thinking, nothing is hopeless anymore. There's no such thing as hopeless. Nothing that occurs is hopeless. Exactly. Yeah. Yay. Finally. And the thing is, it's never been except I didn't know it. I love it. I'm grateful. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Love that. That was great, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. The course is so wide, so deep, that somewhere, somehow, if you apply your divine intellect into searching for that which appeals to you in the Course, or in this chapter particularly, then you will come up with something that keeps bringing you back to your divine intellect's view that dreams are introduced either in the waking dream state or the sleeping dream state, exactly as the Course says. As you start to correct, find things in this chapter that you can go back to and use as a stair step out of the dream, then dreams of the world will start to correct as all of us apply our divine minds to this. And that is what the Course is for. I'm complete. Thank you. Uh, yay. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Um, A Jewish friend of mine explained this to me. It's so interesting. At the time Jesus came, the Romans were controlling Judea, and believe me, Herod was smarter than all of them. And so there was this competition, and some of it was obvious and some of it wasn't. In this competition, now let's pick this picture off of it and just put it on a wall and say, okay, it says A-C-I-M vertically. Now, the Jewish outlook was to read from right to left. And the Roman outlook was to read from left to right. But Jesus comes and says, read from God down. 
but do, as you read the Roman letters, pronounce it in Hebrew. Achim. It means brotherhood in Hebrew. If you say Achim. Achim. That being that came sees so deep and so wide that he, she can encompass us with its ideas, relax into the ideas. Achim. I'm complete. Thanks, Ron. Thank you so much, Ron. That was great. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. I had to think about that for about three days after you laid that on me. <laughs> I love it. This could be a good good time just to open it to any uh, any accounts of uh, success across this last year since we dove into rules for decision with um, particular accounts of how it's assisted or um, you know to the alternate with any particular challenges that seem just um, uh, really, really difficult and uh, where part of the process is stalled out. Anyone want to share your experience with using uh, and working with rules for decisions? Yeah, this is Chris. Um, That is a fantastic question. And I feel so inspired. Just the thought of how different my life is now that I understand RFD, my favorite part. Um, I can say the most, the first thing that came to my mind is that I no longer see my colleagues as my enemies. (laughs) I see them as a true extension of myself. Um, And I have grown enormously where I just don't take the work world so personally and see it more as an opportunity to grow because for so many years, and even when I got back into the course and started to really understand it, as soon as I get off the course, I'd get back into work and just start judge, judge, judge. But these, these tools have been so, have brought me so much peace. I'm just so grateful. Thank you. I'm complete. Yes, that was nice. That's yeah. great to hear, Chris. Thanks, Chris. This is Fran. I started to use the course in um, our art. I thought, I don't know. I kept it separate. It was my last thing I was going to relinquish reluctantly. <laughs> and um, uh, bumped into some trouble. And I did think about I did not like the way I felt. And ever since that day, 
um, I guess you guys know because I'm in, my husband and I are in the art world. And we do paintings. It's a, a very hard business, and it's a business and art, so it's difficult. But ever since that day, that first day, and it was um, just a couple weeks ago, and I relinquished my control over our art and gave it to the Holy Spirit. And every time now I have a problem, I ask for advice, I get assistance. And sometimes I will get afraid. And I always hear, now you know I'm taking care of it. I'm, I'm doing it. And I always wait for guidance and I do whatever comes to me. But the most amazing thing that's happened is I can be in a meditation and all of a sudden I can see a painting. And I know that's the painting we have to do. It happened yesterday. I saw a painting and I knew that was the painting we had to do. So after the meditation, I arranged the uh, photography shoot, got the equipment, and um, I'm ready for it. And that's happened to me a lot in the past couple weeks. So it was my last part of my life to hand over to the Holy Spirit, and I did it. <laughs> I'm complete. Yes. Wow, great. Excellent. That's awesome. Bro. <laughs> wow. That is Love awesome. It. I'm so inspired, Fran. Thank you. Welcome. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. I am in a building, a hotel with Lisa Natoli and Jim Free, and uh, maybe Victor Wooten is here, and um, and some other very wonderful people. And I'm happy. Thank you. I'm complete. Great. The weekend's wonderful for you, Sharon. It is. Thank you. Fran, I, Fran, I was, um, you spoke right to my heart because I am waiting for inspiration and guidance for my art. And now I know if it can happen for you, it can happen for me. So that brings me to a place of happy expectation. Thank you so much, and I'm so happy for you. Bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. That's so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's one of the beautiful side effects of getting together with our ideas of the course, that they get closer with everybody's contribution of returning to the text in the way that they do it, and also the fact that when we see the others gaining from the course, we know we will gain from the course. That's the nicest part. I'm complete. Oh, that's so true. That's one yeah, of the main agree. reasons I'm Thanks, Rob. Thanks, yep. Rob. Right. Love the calls. Hey, it's Chris. I have another example. Um, Fran, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. So right before John had his diagnosis, we had a huge fight. 
Um, so I stormed out of the apartment and uh, I went to the next town to have dinner by myself. And I'm, I'm fighting, you know, when I'm, when I'm arguing, I'm fighting with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, yep, leave me alone, just as I expected. Bitch moan, bitch moan. Help, help, help. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what would Fran do? What would Fran do? She always, she always gets out of her shit, right? So I'm going, help, help, help. So I go outside for a walk. And what do I walk right in front of? You're going to laugh. Church of, what's it, the Church of Science? Oh, and then yeah. in front of the mirror, in front of the window was um, the book was open to all course stuff. It's in your head. Your mind mm-hmm. is creating this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I get it. Thank you very much. I went home. I apologized. It was all good. Oh. But do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just what Rob yeah. said. It's just, there's that simple connection that just gets me through everything. And I just forget to say how grateful I am. So if I forget, Today I'm saying it. I'm very grateful for everybody. Thank you. I'm grateful. Oh, that is beautiful. I'm grateful for everybody, too. Oh, thank you. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Man, so the love is universal. I feel it, too. Great that was wonderful, you. Chris. Thank you. That's so cool, Chris. Well, first, my relationships, like with other people, and even with the cats. And that's a very important thing in the life I've led as a personality, and I guess as a soul, too. But um, then it could be applied to my finances. It could be applied to every area of my life. And since I started studying with you guys, um, I mentioned a few cases. But maybe, you know, I didn't do the seven steps, but maybe they sort of did me in a way. But it was sort of like an unconscious thing. Or maybe when I read those words before, like I said, and um, those people that really seemed to bother me just by existing and it seemed like they felt the same way about me. Um, That's not going on anymore. And that makes me feel much more content and, like they say, at peace. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. That's lovely, Ida. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. Say, I just want to put in a plug again for this flow chart that we've distributed. And for anyone that doesn't have it yet, um, maybe you could uh, uh, ring into the after call very quickly and we'll... Um, figure out a way to get this flowchart to everyone that doesn't have it. That would be just to dial back in after this call ends and um, and let me know how I can get this to you. But the flowchart is a really simple, simple chart that explains that these seven steps um, are constructed 
so that we have an easy way to go to being receptive to Holy Spirit's constant offer of guidance for us. There's constantly an offer of Holy Spirit's perspective on everything we'll ever encounter. And if I could just walk through this flow chart really quickly. What the flow chart explains is that the first two steps, if done fully, without resistance, will lead themselves. Just, I will make no decisions by myself. And in the second step, visualize my day, a happy day, peaceful day, and remind myself through the day that that's my choice to have Holy Spirit guide me to a happy and peaceful day. If I'm open and receptive, then my day proceeds with Holy Spirit guiding and I wind up with a day of happiness and joy. What he does is account for two different places where that two steps may not be effective enough. In the first instance, if I find that I'm judging and I'm not open to guidance, then I have the first alternative, and that is to go to step three. That's where I tell myself, I have no question. I forgot what to decide. And in essence, that step is my step where I'm saying, I want to let go of judgment. I want to let go of how I've judged the situation. In response to that step, either that's sufficient for me to really open to guidance again. So the question becomes, am I now able to let go? If yes, then I'm back in the loop of a peaceful day. If the answer is no, if I haven't been able to fully open again to guidance as a result of releasing my perspective toward the situation, then we roll into the second alternative, which is steps four, five, six, and seven. So if step three wasn't enough to guide me back into an easy day, and openness to guidance. Then we have four, five, six, and seven. In four, I decide I don't like what I feel. In five, I hope I've been wrong. In six, I want another way to look at this. And in seven, I open my mind, open my heart, and ask, what can I lose by asking? What can I lose by asking? The flow chart really, really helps to get an overview of what these steps are. And it can be difficult to arrive at that overview by just working with the second stop. So once again, highly recommended. And, um, and I was hoping to hear a little um, from folks about what that seventh step looks like um, for some of us. What is it that we, how do we, when we come to a place where I'm really, really ready to ask to see this differently, to say, what can I lose by asking to see this different? What does that request sound like? So it sounds like you're the are you at the end of that question? 
Yeah, that's the that question. Yeah, how okay. is it some of you really open yourselves to that correction? I have this is Sharon, and I have a response to that, and the. What is it? How do I describe this? I have a knot of a pattern of thought that sometimes can seem to take over, which is a pattern of a knot of self-judgment. Sometimes it's difficult for me to get beyond, but like when I'm in the middle of it, I have to kind of wait for it to dissipate after I have asked for help with it. Um, and sometimes it's easier than others, but that seventh step, I realize I apply when it's, I'm not in the middle of it, which is to, seeing this differently is by looking at that knot of self-judgment and asking to see it as breaking apart just a simple visualization of the Holy Spirit shedding his light on it and it like pieces flying up and turning into sparks of light and then dissipating just one part after another until it's all gone. And then my mind will say, oh, but what if it's not all gone yeah, about well, it's not all gone now, and then I'll visualize it again because I kind of my unconscious or my egoic self will kind of bring back a shadow of it and fight on it, fight about it, and then I'll just visualize it again and realize that this time it's not quite so vivid. It's more like in gray tones and just keep working with it in that way. But it's easier for me to do it while I'm not in the throes of it, when I'm looking back at a past thought, this past knot of, this knot of, of self-judgment and I'm not enoughness when it's not grabbing me quite so intensely, when I'm not in a situation where it it's, um, really feels intense. So that's what I do. Thank you, I'm complete. Oh, that was terrific, Sharon. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Sharon, thank you. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I love that. <coughs> thank you, Sharon. The light shining down on the on the thing. Very nice. Thank you. Chris, is it okay with you if we run a quarter hour after and and um, maybe bring this, uh, let it run another 15 minutes or so? We should let it run all day. We should have a marathon. I mean, I, I would never end these calls, ever. <laughs> 26 hour marathon. <laughs> For me, the. Uh, no, oh, Fran, ahead. after you, please. Uh, no, dear, after you, thank you. No, you. You you sure? Well, I was thinking about <laughs> yes. that question about that. I when I get to that point, uh, for some reason I always start saying, "Okay, do I really think this is true? Is this book true?" 
And then I think, okay, what do I have to lose? The list that I have to lose is so long that it's all negative. Um, Lose my constant trying to control situations. That's what I can lose. Um, My fear, that's what I can lose. I think about all the things that I don't like, and if I just keep walking that path, I can lose those things. And that's what makes me continue. And it seems like when I get to that point where I start saying, is this really true? And then I go through that process. It seems that's when the shift occurs. I don't know why, but it seems like it's at the end of the wrong path and I turn. That's what happens to me. I'm complete. Now I want to hear you. (laughs) That's very cool. Thank you, Fran. Nice, Fran. Thank you. I just wanted to mention... Oh, please, Karen. Sorry. Um, Just this was real quick. I realized that I do that as well, and I got that from, in part from Byron Katie's work, from the turnaround, is this really true? And it's a really quick, quick, oh, yeah, no, it's not true. It's and it's a re. It just helps me to reorient and ask for what is true. Thanks so much, Fran. I'm complete. Good way to describe it. Reorient. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Sharon. Thanks, guys. You know what, um, I, Sharon, the Katie Byron stuff is really cool. I use the uh, Who Would I Be Without My Story, and that always shifts me back sometimes. But I'm a fighter. I fight with the Holy Spirit. We have a very uh, <laughs> antagonistic relationship at that time, which I seem to start. And he always finishes in peace. It's very fascinating. I'm complete. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when I come to that last step, um, what has really worked for me is to direct that request uh, directly uh, to my father, and um, and it always looks something like, uh, Father, what would you have me see in this situation? How would you have me behold this situation? Um, allow me to behold this situation from the standpoint of what I genuinely am instead of from the standpoint of what my ego has taught me about myself, about everything. And that ties for me back into Ellen's lovely prayer, um, our daily bread, where the prayer says, let me today behold the world as you would have it be, for I am as you created me. And when I, when I relax into that part of her prayer, what happens for me is that I'm asking, literally, that I behold any situation as his voice, the Holy Spirit, directs that I behold it in accordance with all that's true. Let me today behold this situation as you would have it be. Let me behold the situation as you would direct me to behold it in light of the truth. I'm complete. I love that way. I'm going to do that today. Thank you. 
Yeah, where was that, Lee? Where did you pick that out of? That's Helen's uh, prayer. It's a, a short little prayer that she called our daily bread. Mm, where do you find that? Well, it's in her book of poetry called um, Gifts of God. It's okay. a short prayer, and most are very familiar with it because I share it a lot, but I'll, I'll share it again very quickly. This day awaken quietness with only thoughts of sinlessness to which to look upon the world. Let me today behold the world as you would have it be, for I am as you created me. This I accept today. And as the day draws to a close, all unforgiving thoughts have disappeared. And night comes quietly to bless the day and quietness begun and ending in forgiveness of sun. Wow. Just a wonderful little prayer. Wow, that is... Really, it is. And so I heard that um, on some video on YouTube or several weeks ago or somewhere, I somebody said that Helen did not actually follow the course herself or want to follow it after all the scribing was done. But when I hear this, I start to think that that's not true. I know it's not the most important thing about the course, but I'm curious, so does anybody have an answer for that? Thank you, I'm complete. I, I would just say that it's very difficult to, to read her poetry and, and uh, conceive for a moment that she was um, fighting against this course or didn't understand it. Um, her, her poetry shows me a woman um, as deeply immersed in the course and its instruction as any, as any voice I've heard from course students in all the time that I've been studying. Nothing approaches what I see of, of a grasp of the course um, like I see in her poetry. Well, I have a slightly different opinion. You are absolutely on target when it comes to her as Raj, as Jesus on the Internet describes this kind of devotion that is within each one of us is a perfect description of what you just described her devotion like. And yet, when it had to do with her external doing, she was prone to look at things in manners that were egoic to the extreme. When it had to do with her interactions with others externally. Internally, I believe she was exactly, as you say, the most devout follower. So she is, to me, the epitome of ourselves. She is the perfect picture of ourselves that we have to decide which side we would like to be with, the peaceful side or the one that sees everything as controllable. 
I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, guys. Thank you, both of you. I know that question very well. I had asked that exact question myself. And uh, thanks for bringing it up again. Got some new, some new information there. Thank you. I'm complete. You're welcome. Uh, thank, the, thank you, guys. Her book of poetry is available, by the way, very inexpensively on Kindle. Good. Because I can read Kindle when I blow it up. <laughs> this could be a good time to open it to anyone that uh, hasn't had an opportunity to share that would like to do so before we close. This is Rayla. Um, I'd just like to add one little thought. Um, I recently heard Regina, Regina Donakers, uh, say something that has really helped me in situations like yesterday and uh, actually whatever comes into my life um, that my ego views as someone else did <laughs> or even if it was something that I did. Uh, and that is that she says um, that you know we are all just trying to do what we think will make ourselves happy, whether that be starting a war or a neighbor doing something or a friend doing something that you interpret as something that was hurtful. We are all just trying to do what we think is going to make us happy. And so when that yesterday happened, that was something that kept going through my mind. Okay, so whoever was involved in this, they were doing what they thought was going to bring themselves happiness. And so therefore, there's really nothing for me to judge. I can just sit with this, allow it to be as it is, and just remember that we're all in that same place that we're trying to do what we think will make us happy, and I can be okay with that. And so anyway, that's just what was going through my mind yesterday as that was unfolding. Um, I'm complete. Thank you, Rayla. Yeah. Great to hear from you. That's Thank great, you, Rayla. Thank you. Thank you, Rayla. Rayla, I love that because I can apply that to political leaders. I can apply that to anybody that I feel triggered by. And um, and it helps me to feel compassion for them, and that's something that I, I appreciate you reminding me of. Thank you so much. Um, this is Rayla again. Um, yeah, what it does for me is it takes away that feeling of, oh my God, I have to judge something. <laughs> and somehow in that, I can just find peace not feel like I have to judge, and I can just allow it to be. And I'm with you. I, I love that it applies to, like, a large arena of areas in my life. <laughs> I'm complete. Yeah, that's, that thing that represents. If said in Hebrew, achim, is everybody is just trying to be happy. Now, in that, I can join everybody. Now, the way they particularly see to be happy, well, 
that's something that they will modify gradually as they move in their lives toward God. And right now, if it looks very strange to me, and I feel I want mine to be as God would have it be, then I can relax and know that eventually that brother will find the same peace that I'm finding. And brotherhood covers everything because everybody just wants to be happy. That's a perfect outlook. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. That's lovely. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I can release my grievance toward a great deal if I remember that um, to to choose a perspective that sees what people do as misguided instead of um, grievously um, in error. And there's just a it's just an avenue toward releasing a lot of the hardness and tightness around my heart. Right. And that makes physical health. So we're coming right to the, uh, excuse me, Sharon, we're coming right to the end. And, and, uh, and just in order to keep the recording from being so long, anyway, just to keep the recording uh, reasonably short, um, then there's time for a few more shares. Just one more real quick comment is that when I see people as just wanting to be happy, then I feel my oneness with them. My judgment just melts away. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyone else with a burning share or perhaps that hasn't had an opportunity? Okay, Chris, did you have anything in mind for a closing? Well, I certainly do. (laughs) Um, This is a very personal prayer to me. I have known it my whole life, and it's perfect for today. And it's for all of us. A peace prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon Where there is error, the truth. Where there is doubt, faith. And where there is despair, hope. And where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. And to be understood as to understand. And to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to an eternal life. Amen. 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 That's one of my favorites. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Get out and spread some peace and joy today, everybody. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks again for the topic, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks to all who shared. I'll send you all blessings from the Course in Miracles conference. 
Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Well, have fun, Sharon. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.